when I mention litigation, what do you picture in your mind? When someone talks about a litigator, where do you picture them being? When I think about it, I think about the parts of trials that I've seen that have had an effect on me. I think about the courtroom in Filsec, Germany. When I think about cross-examination, I remember the light in that courtroom. I remember how tall the ceilings are. I remember the layout. I remember how the air felt on me. And I remember the physical setting was really, really definitive to the moment. The courtroom was a really important place relative to getting into the mindset of trying a case. I remember thinking about when I would walk in front of the bar the first time I was really in a courtroom in the military. I remember feeling like something was different by being in front of the bar. Why do I bring this up? The reason I bring this up is because we're going to talk about taking that away. We're going to talk about what it's like instead doing a trial virtually. And the guest that I have today is Major AJ Karimsky, who actually did that. Broadcasting from Port Melbourne. This is Mad Talks. Coming at you now. Before we begin, transport yourself mentally back in time and think about what your past self would have thought about going to court using a virtual format. You're probably thinking, how is that going to work with exhibits? Have a cross-examination. I did some digging and I did a little bit of research. I did find that there was a criminal jury trial that was conducted entirely via Zoom from jury selection to verdict and sentencing. It was a class C misdemeanor case. There wasn't any threat of jail time or anything like that. But it was successfully done. This was down in Texas. That was in August of 2020. Court purchased a whole bunch of iPads. Uh, there were some technical glitches that occurred, including some of the jurors freezing <laughs> virtually when taking the oath. But in the end, it ended up working out. Uh, also found there have been several civil cases, federal civil cases, where from beginning to end, they had a jury trial uh, that actually came to verdict. One in particular is Goldstein v. FedEx. It was a uh, discrimination case, uh, really focusing on the Americans with Disabilities Act. Jury did find, that is the jury sitting in their homes or at their workplaces participating virtually, did find for the plaintiff in excess of $6 million. And as you can probably guess, there are a whole bunch of appellate issues that followed afterwards. I'm sharing this with you because one of FedEx's claims on appeal was that the remote jury trial violated the Seventh Amendment of the Constitution. Now, the Seventh Amendment, if you're not entirely up to date on it, is says that in suits at common law where the value in controversy shall exceed $20, 
the right of trial by jury shall be preserved. So the appellate court agreed with the trial court and said, no, there were exigencies. There was COVID, there was uh, issues of egress and ingress to uh, the courtroom. So logistically, it was fine. There was no violation. But the opinion really highlighted something else, that a virtual trial is not a haphazard endeavor. Before the trial convened, the district court actually convened a committee to study the practical and technical safeguards that would be needed to administer a fair proceeding to both litigants and what technology training and internet capabilities would be necessary. And after this committee convened, the uh, district court then went through a whole nother set of hurdles. So all facets of the trial were accounted for. Uh, it's a very interesting opinion. Um, and the appellate court gave no love to FedEx and its claims that this virtual setting had prejudiced it and made the fought, made the trial an unfair proceeding. But what is it like to actually be in the middle of doing this? And that's where this interview kicks off. We're going to, we're going to talk to major Karimsky and that's going to start now. Okay, welcome back. So I'm going to let my guest uh, introduce himself. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Uh, my name is Major Andrew Karimsky, and I am a uh, litigation attorney in the Environmental Law Division. How long have you been in that division? So since uh, July 2018. All right. Is, is this a good job to have? Is It's a very good job to have. It's uh, it's really interesting. It's a different, uh, it's a different beast. No one really knows what environmental law is until you start doing it. Um, and anyone who listens to the news knows that environmental issues are becoming uh, bigger and bigger, right? So with global warming and uh, PFAS and, and different catchwords that you hear all the time, that that's what we deal with. And uh, it's just going to keep getting uh, busier and busier and ever changing. So it's a, it's a lot of fun to do. You know, it seems to me, it seems kind of like alphabet soup a little bit. Oh, it is. Yeah, we, it's, it's very much like the army where everything has an acronym. Uh, and, and the judges actually hate it because judges also don't get a lot of environmental law. So if you go to, you know, talk to a judge, they, uh, they start yelling at you when you start using all the environmental acronyms because they, they can't keep track of them either. <laughs> uh, now we say environmental law, and the, but this is, this is a litigation division, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so I, so I work in the uh, litigation branch of the environmental law division. So we do both. We, we do, um, we have a, a sustainment side that actually does the daily work of what our bases do and uh, complying with environmental law. And then we have a litigation side that when all that falls apart, we're there to, to clean up the mess. <laughs> all puns intended, right? That's right. <laughs> Let's talk about the litigation piece. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, from the military justice side, you know, we think about litigation as, as the court martial, as maybe some of the pretrial motions. Um, are you going through some of that? I mean, are you doing actual hearings and getting in front of a judge and, uh, and taking testimony? Oh, absolutely. It's a, you know, environmental litigation is very much like military justice where we file pretrial motions. We argue pretrial motions, uh, you know, motions for summary judgment, most dismiss, um, you know, issues with discovery issues with witnesses and pr production witnesses. It, it really, uh, runs the gamut and it is very similar to what, what I'd done a bunch in military justice. All right. So do you, do you also do depositions and mediations and stuff like that? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we do 
everything you could do in, in, in litigation, we, we handle it. So have you actually done any trials? I have. I've done one uh, trial. It's a, it was called a CERCLA trial, which is one of our cleanup statutes in the environmental world. Um, and uh, trials in environmental litigation are fairly rare, right? These cases are worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. So usually people can come to an agreement to try to uh, limit the damages and, and, uh, and, and be rational about things. But every once in a while they go to trial and I was lucky enough to, uh, to do a full-blown CERCLA trial in uh, district court. Were you working in tandem with Department of Justice? Department of Justice is the lead attorney on every case uh, for for the Army, uh, basically. Um, and I was lucky enough that I am the detail to the Department of Justice. So as being the detail to the Department of Justice, I'm actually a sworn Department of Justice attorney. I take the same oath that all the Department of Justice attorneys do. Very similar to oath we take, oath we take with the Army. Um, and so that allowed me to actually uh, be one of the lead attorneys on the case. And, and for a circle case like we were dealing with, it's millions and millions and pages of production. It's you know, 30 witnesses. So you do it as a team. It's, a, it's a, definitely a team effort. We had uh, five uh, DOJ attorneys on the case, including uh, three or four paralegals. So it was a, it was a whole team effort that, that we did. So what is CERCLA? I don't think we've even covered that yet. So it's a comprehensive environmental liability. We're going to have to, we're going to have to figure that one out. <laughs> so, so that's the fun, the fun part about environmental law is no one knows what all the acronyms mean. And CERCLA is the one where it's, it's, uh, it's the tough one to remember what, what all the different letters are in the, uh, in the word. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so did you get to this job before, before COVID? I did. Yes. Uh, so 2018, um, and I was actually doing, uh, working for the department of justice starting in 2019. So you started this pre COVID has your practice changed at all? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, everything went from in person, uh, everything we do is in person, right? If we had a meeting, if we had a meet and confer that's required before you file any motions, if we had depositions, uh, any kind of pretrial work, everything was done in person. Right, we were flying all over the country to to handle cases, and now everything has moved online. We we I haven't seen an opposing attorney in the flesh since COVID started. Well, how how was that transition? At first, it was a little rocky. Uh, I thought that it would um, really slow down the pace of litigation. I thought you know it would take a while, but then I think people realized COVID wasn't going anywhere, and we need to get back to business. And uh, since it did, it actually. I thought it might slow down litigation, but actually sped up litigation. And I think a lot of the reason was the you didn't have to travel anymore. It's it's allowed an attorney to get a lot more bandwidth uh, than they would before because you're taking out all the the necessity to travel and be in person somewhere. But you've had a very unique experience though as well, and I kind of want to jump into that. Um, you, in fact, have done a trial by Zoom. Kind of walk us through what was that experience like. So it was, it was actually really unique, right? So we're, we're down in Houston, March of 2020, and we're doing a, a trial in person. And, you know, every night you get home and you hear about COVID on the news and you, and you hear about things, but our judge said, Hey, we're driving on, we're, we're doing this. And, uh, at some point it got bad enough where stuff started to shut down. Houston shut down their rodeo. You knew it was bad then. Um, and the judge at some point said, Hey, we have to stop trial. So we were right in the middle of a trial. Uh, the plaintiff had just rested their case and we were about to start presenting our case when we ended trial and sent everyone home. And so then they said, 
so then it was, well, what are we going to do? Are we just going to delay trial forever? And the judge was having none of that, right? These are these cases take a long time to get to trial. The case had been going on for multiple years. I think, frankly, she wanted to keep it moving and, and get it off her docket at some point. So she said, hey, well, let's let's do it online, right? Uh, and attorneys, go figure it out, right? He, she just gave us the order, go figure it out. Well, luckily, DOJ has a pretty robust IT staff. Uh, we were able to go back and uh, find a program that would work and uh, meet and confer with the plaintiffs and and make sure they were comfortable with the program we had chosen. Um, and we took about a month and a half break between when we had left trial and when we started again, uh, but we went completely online. So we got to see with the same attorneys, the same judge, the same people involved, how it was to go from in-person to online, uh, you know, right in the middle of trial. So this is all pretty remarkable to me. First half of your trial, you have people in person, you have documents, you're doing everything as you would normally do in a trial. The second half, it's it's different. You're doing everything electronically. Or am I just, am I thinking about this too much from maybe a courts martial standpoint? Right. So remember, we're doing civil litigation. So it's not the same as criminal where you're going to have a, you know, physical evidence that you have to deal with. Um, most everything is paper. And since it's paper, the judges don't want to deal with that. Uh, so everything is is basically loaded into a computer and is presented on screens in the in the courtroom. Right. So when you call up a an exhibit, uh, you will have a an IT tech sitting at your table on the front side of the bar. I mean they are they are literally at the table and you say I need exhibit 12 and pff, there goes exhibit 12 up onto the screen and he can manipulate that. He can highlight words. They can pop sections out. They can pop two different sections out next to each other. They can put multiple documents on there. The the technology that they have in the, the district courts is pretty amazing. Also, um, in the, the people in the military will enjoy this, we basically did trial by PowerPoint, right? So for <laughs> every witness, uh, there was a PowerPoint prepared and you would uh, use the snipping tool and snip out parts of your exhibit and put the, you know, so that everyone could follow along, you would put exactly what uh, exhibit it was and, and where, what page it was that you were pulling from. And you had to turn that over to your opposing counsel uh, 24 hours before you took that witness. So they had a chance to look at them and make sure they weren't objecting and they could follow along and, and prep their cross-examination of what you were going to present. But um, it, it made things a lot smoother. Right. So we were never. And also in most civil litigation, uh, the judges are going to make you decide if you're going to challenge any exhibit before trial. Right. So every exhibit that we had, we had to go through. And if we wanted to raise an objection, you did it before trial because we were not going to stop in the middle of trial and fight about some kind of document. Right. We've had these documents. Probably the case has been going on for 15 years. You've had these documents for 15 years. If you wanted to start bringing up issues about them, you, you had ample opportunity to do it. Judges don't want to do that. They want to keep things moving. They have a finite amount of time. Um, so even in the courtroom, as much that can be digital, as much that can be done without the the normal rules that we're used to in a criminal trial, that's how it was done. And so when we moved online, it, it actually, when, when it came to exhibits and stuff, it, it was very similar, right? Because you had a witness in one screen and uh, you would have the same trial presenter equipment hooked in from that same person who was sitting at your table in another screen. And when you called up an exhibit, it, it went up onto the screen um, and we had the same PowerPoints and everything. So as far as that went, 
it was it was seamless. That part was absolutely the same as being in trial. And, you know, it was more comfortable because I didn't have to stand up and walk around a courtroom and, and do all that. <laughs> I was sitting in a chair, you know, questioning my witness. Um, <laughs> so that, that, that was a little bit easier. Okay. So, so you didn't have to worry about authenticity. You didn't have to worry about foundation. You didn't have to worry about hearsay objection. None of that. All right. So, so maybe the civil practice is a bit more civil. You could, you could say that a little bit, uh, you know, we all know the reasons for it. You know, you know, there's, it's just money on the line. No one's, no one's going to jail after, after a case. Right. And, and, and I represent the government. So we have, we have a lot of money if we lose. So it's, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's not as, it's not as high stakes as, as a criminal trial. And, uh, so I can see why they, I can see why the district courts have moved to that style of trial, right? It caught me off guard. I was, I was prepared for, um, introducing exhibits and, and doing all the things. And I had opened up my books just to make sure I remember how to introduce an exhibit. And then as we got closer to trial, I started to realize, wait a second, we're not doing any of that, right? Like, this is just, everything's already admitted. We just bring them up, you know, and just get the information to the judge that you need to get to the judge. Well, so, so what was different though online is, is you had your PowerPoint ready to go, maybe for every witness you wanted to to ask them about the exhibit or maybe impeach them in, in, to some degree. But unlike being in the courtroom where you had your tech guy right next to you, you, you didn't have that guy right next to you at, at, at home. So, so how did you overcome any maybe technical issues you had without having that guy next to you? So the first was preparation, right? The, one of the reasons we took the month and a half off was because we were the first, maybe the first trial in the country that went online, right? Since we were in the middle of it. Uh, and if a trial hadn't started yet, everyone was delaying the start of trial. Uh, I know we were the first in DOJ um, that that went online because no one knew what was going on. So we spent that month and a half training, right? We we had to figure out how do you communicate, right? How how do you work as a team when you're in your house in one place and your co counsels, you know, your other four co counsel all over the country, right? Because they didn't have to be there anymore. So some of them went home or, or went other places and your tech guy also isn't next to you. And so, so a lot of that was uh, trial and error, right? We, we had, uh, we pulled the program up, we would run our witnesses through it. We would practice how we were going to present things. Um, we would make sure how the exhibitor was going to work. We, we found if, Hey, is there a flaw in this system where if you do X, Y, or Z, it cuts out or, or there's a glitch or something that we had to find. And we did all that before we got to trial so that hopefully once we got to trial, it would, it would roll smooth, smoothly. And for the most part, it did, right? We, um, we were able to do that, but, but little things like communicating, right? With your, uh, counsel, no one could pass me a note. So next to me, I always had my cell phone on mute, uh, you know, but on vibrate. So I could see if a text came in and if I was, if someone wanted me to ask a question or do whatever, they could text me. And then hopefully while my witness was doing their thing, I could quickly look at a text and say, oh, well, I need to you know, back, go back and cover that. Uh, and then every break, we always had a conference call line set up to where immediately, you know, no questions asked immediately upon break, we would all call in to the conference call to make sure we could debrief on what we're doing then. And then you always made sure before you ever said you were going to release a witness or you were done questioning that you took that break and the judge was very liberal with us taking breaks and you would have that team call to say, Hey, is there anything else I need to cover before I, you know, I, I think I'm done. Um, and I want to excuse the witness. Is there anything else I need to do? And, and we would make sure we did that. So those are some of the ways to overcome it. Um, the text messaging does get distracting. Uh, we did the same thing. I've done depositions online now, and it's the same thing where 
sometimes people are a little overzealous in texting you and you're like trying to concentrate on asking questions. And, and if you're doing a cross, it's even harder because you have to listen to the answers, right? Direct is really easy. I know what the guy's going to say when I've asked the question because we've prepped that question already. And I don't expect them to go off the rails. So I can look and if I miss three words, it's not going to be a big deal. If I'm doing a cross to someone, I'm asking the question for a reason. I want a response. And as we always know, a good attorney is going to listen to that response. It's hard to listen to that response if you're also trying to check a text to see if you ask the question right or someone wants you to change something. So it's a it's unique skills you have to learn while you're doing this. It sound, it's a lot of technology coming at you all at once. But in all fairness, passing a note, I mean, that's, that is a distracting behavior as well, right? Absolutely. So, you know, in, and I think it is just, you just have to get used to doing it, right? Like everything else, uh, the reason we train as attorneys and we train in the courtroom, if you're going to be a litigator is to prepare for that. And so now it's just, you just have to start training yourself to be online because honestly, I think we're going to be online a lot, right? It, it is a, is a time-saving device. Um, that doesn't take away enough to merit having to fly across the country for every deposition that you have to do. Uh, so I think we're going to be there a lot. And I think we have to learn how to do that. We can't fight it, right? You have to accept what's going to happen and, and you better start training to get good at it. <laughs> well, I, I, I do want to touch on that a little bit more, a little bit later. Um, but I, I do want to ask you, I mean, you know, we, I mentioned before about being in the courtroom all the different audiences from the judge to a jury that you can pay attention to. Now, online, when you're working with a witness through a direct examination, are you paying any attention to the judge? Can you see the judge on your screen? So it, it, it really depends, right? And I think a lot of this is going to be the judges are going to have to figure this out because uh, in most environmental cases, the the judge is the trier fact. We, do, we don't do, we very rarely will do a, a jury trial uh, just because of the way the laws are. Um, and so when the judges try or fact, you know, in a courtroom, you're definitely staring at the judge to see if they're taking in what you're doing or if you have to adjust or are they bored or should I move on or, you know, what, what cues are they giving me? And the problem online was even though, uh, we all had agreed that we would, the, the people involved in that witness. So it'd be the, the person asking the questions, the witness, the attorney who was going to object and the judge would all be on camera. The judge kept shutting her camera off. So, so we couldn't see what she was doing. And then when she had her camera on, she had, I think she was on a iPad instead of a computer and the way it was, it was looking at her ceiling. So you couldn't <laughs> even really see, see her, um, if she did have her camera on. So it was really, really hard to judge what you were doing and you would do it more by, did she ask questions, right? If you didn't get a question for a long time, I don't know, maybe she ran away. I you couldn't <laughs> tell because I couldn't see her anymore. If she was engaged in asking questions, at least I had some idea that she was interested in what we were talking about. Um, but that became very, very hard. But I'll tell you, you know, it's a, it's something you're going to, that you have to learn, right? It's, you, you have to try to do that. And, and I think maybe later on, you know, there might be complaints about that and judges may have to stay on screen because you, you want to be able to see the trier fact and, and see what the reaction is to what you're doing. Um, it's, it's a necessity, but it, yeah. And this, it became very, very difficult to determine what was going on since you couldn't see her half the time. Sometimes it really can be very valuable to, to know whether the judge is paying attention or not paying attention, because it has been the case, at least in my experience, that you may be thinking you're going down a very valuable path if the judge is the fact finder, but only to look up and realize that 
it's really just causing more work for the court reporter and it's not something the judge is all that concerned about. So Absolutely. What other aspects of doing this trial online would you say, hey, this is starkly different uh, than doing a trial in person? I, I think the interaction with the witness is there. Um, we did get to do a couple cross-examinations uh, while we were... Um, uh, on on the Zoom or you know on on video conference because uh, the plaintiff did put on a, a rebuttal case um, and that's very different, right? I you couldn't get that same reaction from the witness that you wanted to. You couldn't tell um, what you, you couldn't intimidate the witness by asking them questions in a certain way. Um, you know, your presence in the courtroom kind of does that when you're really trying to go after a witness when you think they're, they're completely wrong on whatever they're saying. Uh, and you definitely lose some of that. Um, and then I think the same thing that you said before, which is you get tired and everybody gets tired being on video conferencing all day, right? I think they, they have a term for it, zoom fatigue. Well, you, you definitely get fatigued in trial, but at least then you can make things interesting. You can move around. You can, you can do something to try to make it better. You, you really can't when you're online and people just get tired of the voice droning on. You know, it's, you know, if you're not like the judge may have not been looking at the screen. I don't know. So now she's just basically getting audio. So now it's like an audio recording instead of, because the video, like I said before, you, you know, you can only see a, a little bit of the person. Right. So you don't even get their whole interaction. So you can't, it's not interesting, right? It's not interesting to stare at someone's head for five hours or eight hours a day. Right. So, um, so that's, that's starkly different, right? Just the fatigue of the trial as you, as you go through it, uh, by the end of the day, you felt like you got hit by a bus and you always do when you're in trial, but it was a different feeling because you're like where my whole body would feel tired after trial. Cause you're up and down and running around or whatever. My mind was just shot after a day of testimony. Um, no matter what you're doing, if you're listening, if you're even the third, you know, attorney in the room and you're just taking notes, it, it just, it's very fatiguing to listen the whole time without some kind of stimulation. It seems like a trade-off though, doesn't it? Because you don't have to put on shoes yeah. in the virtual trial. I'm not going to lie. I did the whole trial in nylon shorts. I had a, I had a coat top, a, a tie, you know, I had my suit coat, a tie and a suit shirt, but it was, it was hot in my room. So I just wore nylon shorts. And so I just, <laughs> you just knew not to stand up. Right. I mean, that was the only, the only issue. It's not as bad as I, you know, I remember when COVID first started in the, on the news, there were some attorneys showing up, you know, from, like you said, the attorneys were showing up from their bed or they were showing up from pole side or they were, you know, in their PJs or something when they got on with the judge, we at least knew enough that the top half had to be very professional, but yeah, you're right. No one can see what's going on. So you didn't have to wear shoes or even pants. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a comfortable, <laughs> you, you do get that comfort. And then you also get the comfort that during the breaks, right. I didn't have to go find a restaurant or have my lunch or, you know, go run around to a conference room or whatever. I could just go down to my kitchen and make lunch and, and have that prepared. And, uh, also prepped enough to know that my family had to be out of the house. <laughs> right. So that was, you know, even though we were in COVID, luckily we had places where the, the kids could go outside and, and play and they knew, Hey, daddy's in trial doing some really important stuff and we can't bother him. Cause the last thing I wanted was my, my child, you know, photobombing the, you know, the court. <laughs> right? I, don't, I don't, I don't think the judge would have appreciated that. So that's one of the things you have to worry about is wh where's your family and what's going on, especially when you're all trapped in a house. Part of 
advocacy is communication. You have to be able to to get your point across. You have to be able to be persuasive in that point and and really and really drive it. Did you find that doing that trial online was it hard to advocate to the end that you needed? No, I think I think you can enough. I think you can to the point where it's not ineffective, right? Uh, but again, it's it's a skill you have to work on. And I think even just over the time that I've been doing this, um, each time you get better and better at it. And as we do, you know, preparation. If we do preparation for an argument, right? That that's some of the stuff you're working on is your delivery, uh, how you are on camera. You know, are you coming across flat? Is there something you could do with your inflection or your voice to try to make things more interesting? So we are actively working at that, just like you actively worked to get better in in a physical courtroom. You know, right now it may not be as good as it should be, but it will get better. And and as we work on it, it will get better. And I and I don't think you lose enough that it that it affects anything. It's the feedback that you're not getting that makes it harder. The delivery, I think you can still be effective, right? It's just you're missing. Are you landing with that point or are you not landing with it? But you're still making the point the way you want to. And I think you're able to get your points across. I, th- I would say you're not 100% sure on how that is affecting your audience. Yeah, I, I heard a story once that uh, on the making of Caddyshack, uh, Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> of all people, stand-up comedian, long since passed, very, very funny comedian. It was all quiet on set. Had to be quiet. So he's delivering his lines. He's he's doing his bit, but not having done a ton of movies because everyone had to be quiet. He thought he had bombed the scene. They said, cut. He's, he's like, I must be stinking up the place. But but the reality and kind of to what you're saying is the feedback is you may not get that nonverbal feedback. You you may feel like you're more effective in person because you can read body language. Um, but what I also hear you saying is that there's there's a bit of training that goes into this. There's um, a bit of getting comfortable with the technology. Absolutely. And for what it's worth in the trial that we did, and, and I think a lot of this was because we did a split trial and you have to watch out for appeals and everything. But the, the judge was very uh, clear in her opinion where she mentioned, you know, she had to put that the trial went online and she said that the advocacy from the attorneys was just as effective as it was in the courtroom. Again, you take it with a grain of salt because, you know, she's protecting from appeal. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I, I think some of it is true because legitimately after the trial, she praised what we did. She, uh, she was an older judge definitely wasn't technologically savvy. I think she probably hated the idea. And I think that's why we stayed in trial as long as we did before she shut everything down, because I think we were on the last courtrooms to close as every day we're getting messages that, you know, this district closed or this whole state closed or, you know, whatever we were still going at it. Um, but I think she genuinely liked it. I, I think she genuinely thought, wait a second, this isn't as bad as I thought it would be. And, and I can, and I can deal with this. Um, and then when we would have post-trial matters that we had to deal with, you could tell she was getting more comfortable with that. And and I think, so I think from her perspective as a trier of fact, I think she was getting the points that she needed. And, you know, I, I think you just start having to have to deal with your preparation is right. You've had someone else watch you deliver that ahead of time. So that's when you're getting your direct feedback is the preparation ahead of time. And then you try to repeat that when you, when you deliver it, because you're not going to get that direct feedback uh, when you're trying to make points. But I think you can, you know, still effectively advocate as we do as attorneys. 
absent COVID, do you think the trial ever would have been done online? No, not in, <laughs> not in a million years. There was no, there was, we had to deliver her a computer, right? Like, I mean, like the, like the, the, uh, the iPad she was using came from DOJ because she didn't have a device that was capable of, of going online. Right. So that tells you the technology we're dealing with and, uh, you know, the technology that the, the judges that we have who sit on the bench for life. Right. I mean, so some of them have been on the bench for 30, 40 years, right. They're not, they're not looking to try something new, right. They're, you know, a lot of them are, are near retirement. They don't, they don't want to try something new, but this is, this is a forcing factor. And I, and I think that's a, that's some of the benefit we'll get from COVID is it forced us to modernize a little bit, to do things that we probably should have been doing or working towards. It just sped it up a lot quicker and, and gave us no option. Oh, it's all fascinating stuff. Um, I, I can't thank you enough for, for taking some time and, and talking to us about that. Um, do you have any, uh, any parting comments, any words of wisdom that those of us who haven't actually done a virtual trial could could learn from. I mean, I would say lean in, right? Like just, it's not going away. Uh, if you're not comfortable with it, get comfortable with it, go through the reps just like you would at any other time and and any other preparation for anything you do. Um, you know, preparation is key and practice is key. So that's what you have to do. All right. Well, thank you again. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank major Karimsky for his time and his insights. Certainly sounds like it was, Oh, a heck of a trial. And I want to thank you for listening to the second episode of Matt Talks. For those of you out there who think a majority of this discussion today was really relegated for the practice practitioners in the civil realm, I'd say think again. There is a case I want to bring up, United States v. Donsinger, out of the Second Circuit, a federal case. And this is a criminal case, a contempt case, multiple counts. And there was a witness that was being presented by the government on the merits. There's an objection by defense. The issue with this witness was they couldn't travel because of COVID, because of health concerns and because of age. And the appellate court actually agreed with the trial court in this case uh, when the trial court decided that it was not a violation of the Sixth Amendment confrontation by allowing that witness to testify via Zoom, via the online uh, video conferencing uh method that they were using. And uh, you may sit there and say, well, clearly that circuit didn't, didn't read Marilyn B. Craig. They, they did. And they talked about how confrontation is not a guaranteed right that defendants have. And if you've ever dealt with RCM 914A and 914B, and those are examples of where it's not a clearly not an absolute right. But they went on to say this, and uh, I thought it was interesting. They said, notably, Craig involved the use of one-way video testimony for two-way video testimony, which is what the government proposes for this witness, the Court of Appeals has not adopted the Craig standard, at least in the Second Circuit, observing that unlike one-way video, two-way video preserves the face-to-face confrontation required by the Sixth Amendment. Interesting. Now, I'm going out on a limb here, but maybe this is the kind of thing that leads to us as a society starting to get used to the online realm and maybe this softens the hardline confrontation issue that we have maybe virtual trials now are the stepping stone to virtual trials in the future where we don't have that objection not saying that's the case but who knows 
As always, all the opinions expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the individuals presenting them, not of the Army of the United States government or any f- official position or policy of the government. Thank you again for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Matt Talks. Take care. Keys from Thelonious, yeah. monk anytime, day or night, week or month. So don't try to front like it's something you don't want. It's jazz music, y'all. Yeah, it's jazz music. this group here all night long.